All right. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing good? It's good to be in God's house. Just want to welcome everyone, whether you're joining us in person or maybe watching online. Also want to say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. We love you guys. We believe in you. Come on, Defiance. Help me welcome our church family today. It's awesome. Well, today we are in week number two of our series called It's Complicated, But It Doesn't Have to Be, where we are talking all things relationships in this series. And kind of the the big idea in this series is that as we get better, our relationships get better. And I kind of want to start things off today by having a little fun with Valentine's Day coming up this next week, Wednesday, fellas, just so you No, I'm helping you out, and we have a lot of single people in the church. I want to start things out today by giving us my top five Christian pickup lines. I'm just trying to help you out, help you step your game up just a little bit, and no doubt some of you are going to be going to young adults this Tuesday night, and you're going to need some lines. And I just want you to know, as your pastor, I got you. I got you. Okay, you guys ready? You guys ready? All right, top five Christian pickup lines. Number one, baby, you're just like water, except Jesus turned you into fine. That'll work. I think that'll work. You should try. That would have that worked. That probably would have worked, babe. Here's, here's another one. Hey, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. No, no, no. I'm praying for you. Love the confidence. Come on. Hey, number three, hey, is your name Faith? Because you're the substance of things I've hoped for. Hey, 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 come on, Bible scholars out there. Number four, hey, girl. Or you could say, hey, girl. The Bible says to think about what is pure and lovely. So I've been thinking about you all day. That could work. I'm going to try these out tonight. And then the fifth and final one is this. Hey, is your dad a pastor? Because that body is preaching to the choir. I'm a t- any boy tries to say that to my little girl. And I'm going to introduce you to the five-fold ministry just so you know. But let me put a disclaimer out there. Experienced Church takes no responsibility for what might happen to you if you try to use any of those pickup lines. Use at your own risk. But uh, t- last week, in week number one, when we kicked this series off, we, we talked to all the single people, and we talked about being single and secure. And if you didn't get a chance to be here with us during that message, I'd highly recommend for you to go back and watch that. But today, we're going to switch gears, and I want to talk to all the married couples in the house. And so the title of the message today is Foundations for a Healthy Marriage. Foundations for a healthy marriage. Now, if you are single, even in dating, I, I want to encourage us to lean in because you, when you do get married, you're going to want to make sure that you have these foundations in place right from the start. But then for those of us who are married, I want to encourage us to lean in even more and make sure that we have these foundations as a part of our relationships. And if we don't, that we would make the necessary adjustments to make them a part of our marriage and have these foundations in our relationships. And I just want us to know that as our marriages get healthier, our families get healthier too. 
And, and today is, is going to be, I got a lot of information. Uh, I'm going to try my best not to make it feel like you were drinking from a fire hose, but I just have so much uh, I want to, to teach and to give us today. And so I'd highly recommend for you to take notes. We know that we are four times more likely to retain the information that we are hearing if we take the time to write it down. You can do that through the Experience Church app on your phone or the old-fashioned way with a pen and paper. But let's start off uh, by laying a foundation before we talk about the foundations and take a look at what the Bible has to say about marriage. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it says, Marriage should be honored. Everybody say honored. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. Now, the word honored in this passage of Scripture literally means valued and weight. Kind of to help us understand this even more, uh, the opposite of honor, to dishonor, means to take something lightly. To dishonor something or someone means I'm just going to take them lightly. I'm going to take them for granted. And God says that marriage should be honored by all that there's this weight to it, that we wouldn't take marriage lightly because it's special, it's valued. And so as we talk about marriage, we have to ask and we also have to answer the question, what is marriage? What, what's the biblical definition of marriage? And I, I think it's important for us to understand that we can't def define marriage because we didn't create marriage. Only the one who created marriage can define marriage. And how many of us know God created marriage? Therefore, God's the one who gets to define what marriage is. And Jesus was very clear in Scripture what marriage was and, and what God's stance and his definition uh, is when it comes to marriage. And I, I know we live in a world today where there is so many definitions. And I just want to remind us that there's the world and there's God's word. And we can follow the world or we can follow God's word, but we can't follow both. Can I get an amen? amen? And so let's take a look at what God's word says about marriage. Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. Jesus is speaking here. And he says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? And here Jesus is referencing the end of Genesis chapter 1, and then he goes on to quote Genesis chapter 2, give us, gives us this Genesis 2 biblical definition of marriage, verse 5, and he said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And so they're no longer two, but one. Only God can do that. Therefore, because God has made the two one, what God has joined together, let no one or no man separate. Now, we just need to understand that the enemy of our soul wants nothing more than to separate our marriages, to divide our homes, because he knows the potential. He knows what's possible if our marriages are healthy and strong. And so let me just be clear today, according to the Bible, Jesus said that marriage Marriage is, write this down, marriage is a covenant between one man and one woman before God for life. This is biblical marriage. It's making a covenant. And just so we're all on the same page when we see that word covenant, uh, covenant in, in Scripture, when, when, whenever there was a, uh, maybe two kings or two nations or two landowners or whatever coming into a covenant agreement together, there would always be a sacrifice. Blood would always be shed. Usually it was a ram or a goat. And, and I, I know it's a little... Um, 
gross, but they would cut the, the ram or go in half. And then the two people making the covenant agreement would walk side by side together through the middle of the animal, signifying if either one of us breaks this covenant agreement, let what was done to this animal be done to us. How many of us know that's a serious matter? That marriage is not something to be taken lightly. It's a covenant. And, and when it comes to marriage, we're, we're not only making this commitment to one another, but we're also making this commitment before God. Like the, the marriage ceremony is a very religious and special ceremony. You go before a pastor who represents God, and then we say vows not just to each other, but we say vows before a holy God, for better, for worse, in sickness and health, till death do us part, for as long as we both shall live. How many of us know these aren't just words we say? These aren't just words that have no meaning. No, these are, these are meaningful words, meaningful commitment that we're making in, in, in front of a crowd of witnesses and before a holy God, which is why when it comes to marriage, write this down, and that is your marriage will only be as strong as your foundation. We just need to understand we can try to build whatever kind of life that we want together, but if our foundation is faulty, if there's cracks in our foundation, the, the whole thing, whatever we try to build on top of it, the whole thing could come crashing down. There are some foundations that we need to have in order to have a healthy marriage, and that's what I want to give to us today. I want to give us five foundations uh, that we need for a healthy marriage, and I do want to take a moment and just recommend a book for you to read. It's called From This Day Forward by Pastor Craig Groeschel. And I read this years ago. In fact, some of the, the content uh, for, for today's message comes from this book. And so if you're wanting to learn more, if you're wanting to grow more as a couple or in your relationship, I'd highly recommend that book. But let's get into it. The first foundation that we need to have in order to have a healthy marriage, number one, write this down, and that is seek God. Seek God. When you have two people who love God and are pursuing God, that, that when they come together in marriage and they don't stop pursuing God, they continue to pursue God together, man, this lays a foundation for a healthy uh, marriage. We have two single people pursuing God, going after God. Then when they come together, they keep seeking God together, and this lays this foundation for a strong, healthy marriage. And so if you're single today, I just want to encourage you, you need to learn how to seek God today. You need to learn how to go after God today. If we're married, we need to understand that our, our marriage will never thrive until both people in that marriage seek God. I do want to show us a, a very popular, if you ever went to a, maybe a Christian marriage counselor, they would have this on the wall or their desk or talk about it because it's very foundational to our relationships, but it's called the marriage triangle. And it starts, the husband's on one side, the wife is on the other. God is at the top of the triangle. And the closer we get to God, notice, the closer we get to each other. The farther away we are from God, the farther away we are from each other. Why? Because our marriage and our relationship is built on something else other than God. And whenever our relationship is built on something else other than God, how many know that's a faulty foundation? 
That's building our relationship upon the sand. And when the storms come and the wind blows, how many know if it's not on a firm foundation, being Jesus, being God, how many know it's going to come crashing down? And so we see this, uh, and some people might ask, well, can you still have a, a, a good relationship if, if one spouse is seeking God and the other is not? Well, I think the better question is, can you live in a house with a crack in your foundation? How long can you live in a house with a crack in your foundation? Because the longer that crack goes without being addressed, the, the harder and the more expensive it's going to be to try and fix later, right? And so this is, we see God as the first foundation because only God can fulfill the void in our hearts. Let me say it like this. Another person can compliment us, but they'll never be able to complete us. Another person will never, ever be able to complete. They'll compliment us, but they can't complete us. Only God can do that. And so we seek God and we find our fulfillment in him because the foundation of every great relationship is the fact that God is first. In fact, Jesus was even asked one time in scripture, what was the greatest commandment? You know, there's 10 commandments, and then after the, uh, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, broke those 10 commandments and suffered the consequences, they came up with over 600 laws to keep them from breaking the 10 commandments. And so this guy comes to Jesus and says, out of all this, man, just can you give me the cliff notes, Jesus? What's the most important thing? What's the one thing that I need to focus on? And here's Jesus' response in Matthew 22, verse 37. He says, Jesus replied, well, here's the most important commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You see, Jesus knew that we'll never be able to get anything else right in life until we first get our relationship right with him. Therefore, if you're taking notes, write this down because we need to understand that God is our one. That we're seeking after our one. God is our one. And sometimes we get into a relationship or we get married and, and people say, oh, you, you found the one. Nope. That before I found her, I found him. Before I found her, I found him. Like, in other words, let me say it like this. I love Justina more than anything except for God. God's first place in my life. And so that means God is our one and our spouse is our two. Can I just remind us today that our kids are not our two? Our spouse is our two. Our job is not our two. Our hobbies are not our two. Our spouse is our two. And so when it comes to our priorities, God, you're first. My spouse is, is second, is my two. Then my kids, then my family, they're three. I just need to know, parent, I need you to know, parents, your kids need to be in the right order. They need this. They need to know mom's first, dad's first. They need to know my spouse is before you. You're, you're three on, on the totem board. You're three on the priority list. And so it's God, spouse, family, then my career. So if we're single, here, here's what we do. Single people write this down, and that is singles, you seek the one while you prepare for your two. This is the foundation for every healthy relationship, and so we seek God. But then married couples, what do we do? We seek the one with my two. And so in our relationship, we're seeking God together. There is nothing more powerful than when a couple comes into this place and we're praising and we're worshiping God together. We can never underestimate the power of what that is doing in our relationship when we're lifting our hands together, when we're singing and crying out, worshiping God together. 
as a couple, even as a family. That's why if you have young kids, we highly recommend you checking them into kids ministry. One, they're probably not gonna understand anything I'm saying. Two, they're gonna have a better time over there. And three, then you can fully focus on worshiping God together in this place. We have to give them crackers or another phone or get them on another game. No, I'm dialed in. I'm worshiping God with my spouse because I know how important it is seeking God together. We're going to church together. We're in small groups together. We're serving together. We're giving together. We're praying together because as a couple, it's not you, you, you do your own thing and I'll do my own thing. No, we're seeking God together. Write this down if you're taking notes. And that is don't just pray for your spouse. Pray with your spouse. Let me say that again for the people in the way, way back. Don't just pray for your spouse. Pray with your spouse. If you're a couple who, have, who has never prayed together, this will change your relationship. Because a couple that prays together stays together. Oh, you already knew this one. All right. First service was clueless, so you guys are way ahead of them. But one of the ways the enemy uh, will attack our marriages is to keep us from praying with one another. Maybe it feels awkward, it's uncomfortable, or it seems weird, but how many of us know we just gotta get over it? We just gotta get over it and lead the way and pray together. James chapter five, verse 16 says it like this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so what? So that you may be healed. So for couples who maybe find themselves in a difficult season, maybe there's tension in your relationship, you feel like you're on different pages, distant and far apart from each other. Man, what if you would just pray together every night before you went to bed? Just grab each other's hand and just start praying a blessing over your spouse. Praying for some things they're asking God to do. Just, just, just speaking life over them. You know that will do it for your marriage. It'll change everything. And so the first foundation we lay to have a healthy marriage is to seek God. The second foundation we need to have a healthy marriage, number two, and that is to fight fair. Fight Fair, you know, Dr. John Gottman, who is a marriage and relationship expert, published a study about how couples fight, and they took data from over 16 years, and he found that he could predict with 91% accuracy whether or not a couple would stay together simply by observing them for five minutes and how they fight. In fact, Dr. John Gottman said this, he said, success in marriage isn't based on whether you fight, but on how you fight. How we fight matters, guys, and the reality is every couple fights. Every couple experiences tension because whenever you bring two imperfect people together in a relationship, there's going to be moments of frustration. There's going to be offense. There's going to be hurt feelings. There's going to be disagreements, and how we navigate those waters plays a huge part in how healthy our relationships are. And so when it comes to, to fighting fair, there, there's just some boundaries that we need to have and some lines that we just refuse to cross, no matter how upset we are at the other person. Like, I'll just give you some from, from our, our relationship. Um, in our marriage, we just have some, some boundaries. We have some lines we just refuse to cross. Like when we're in an argument, we're just not going to call each other names. There's just no, there's no name calling happening. It doesn't matter how upset I am, we're not gonna call each other names. We're not gonna put each other down. We're not gonna attack each other's character. And we, we, we stay words, away from words uh, always and never. We don't bring that up in, a, in an argument. You always do this. You never do that. I mean, that's just a killer right there. Are you with me? I saw some elbows going like this. 
that ain't going to help either, just so you know. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit do the work, not your elbow. But, but these are just not, these are just, these are no fly zones. We're just not, I'm not going to start calling you names. I'm not going to attack your character. I'm not going to put you down. I'm not going to use always and wor words like always and never. And we never, never are even going to think about using words like divorce or maybe we shouldn't be together. Well, in 18 years of marriage, we have had so many, so, so many intense fellowship moments. And we've been upset with each other, frustrated, but we've never, we will not, we're not, we're not crossing this line. We're not going to say this word. We're not going to, we're not going to do that. Why? Well, because we want to, we want to fight fair and have a healthy marriage. But secondly, number two, take a look at this scripture, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Just remind us, the tongue has the power of life and the power of death. Words are powerful, church. Words matter. And when it comes to how we fight, we can either speak life or we can speak death. Now, some of us might say, well, how do you speak life to someone you're arguing with? I've never been able to do that. That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked it. That's why Dr. John Gottman also said this. If you're taking notes, write it down. He said, healthy couples fight for resolution, unhealthy couples fight for personal victory. And so when we're fighting, are we fighting just to be right or are we fighting to resolve the situation? Now, I do want to just point out, none of us are batting a thousand on this one. Like we've all fallen into that trap of fighting just to be right. And I don't know about you, there have been times when me and Justina have been fighting over some of the dumbest stuff and we've gotten to the point where like, what are we even fighting about? What was the original thing that we were arguing about? We've, we've lost our way. Now we're just fighting to be right. I, I love if Maybe you've seen this online, but uh, the comedian Nate Bargetsy tells a story of how him and his wife argued uh, over uh, chocolate milk one time. And I thought, yes, yes, we argue over the dumbest things, don't we? So let me give us a blueprint uh, for how to fight fair. It's found in James chapter 1, verse 19. And so next time we're in an argument, we can use this blueprint. I do want to encourage us to get this in our hearts and our spirits now. Because if you wait till you're in an argument, how I many know it's too late? We gotta, i got to know this and have a game plan ahead of time. So let's take a look at it. Verse 19, James 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so let's break these three things down. First, starting with quick to listen. In other words, what is the other person saying? Too many times we get into an argument and we listen only to respond instead of trying to hear what the other person is trying to say. Anybody made that mistake besides me? I'm just listening to respond and make my point because I'm fighting to be right instead of finding a, re a resolution to what's going on. So what's the other person saying? How are they feeling? What are they trying to express to me? Don't just see the situation from my side of the story. Let me see it from their side as well. The second one, slow to speak. There's an acronym that I love called WAIT, and simply the question, why am I talking? Now, you think this to yourself. You don't tell the other person this. That's not going to help your argument. Why are you talking? Remember, why are you even talking? But anyways, we're going to think before we speak so that we don't say something that might wound the other person or say something that we later regret. And so we're slow to speak. And then the third thing, we're slow to anger. The question is, am I being spirit-led or emotionally driven in this moment? 
Am I just letting my emotions get the best of me? Am I just following them? In other words, we're going to yield to the Holy Spirit. And I'm just telling you, whenever I've done this in an argument, God never listens to me. Just so you know, God never does that. I'm like, get her, God. Get her. She's right there. Alley-oop. Slam it down. And every single time, God always goes, what about your heart? What about the way you came across? What about what you did? Because my, my word says, if you want forgiveness, you have to forgive. My, my word says that Jesus was on a cross and he looked down at those who beat him down and tortured him. And he looked at them and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Every time I've gone to God and opened my heart up to the Holy Spirit in the midst of an argument, he always points the finger at this thing in here. How's your heart doing? But we'll never have a healthy marriage if we don't learn to fight fair. So here's my last challenge for married couples when it comes to fighting fair, and that is to stop fighting against each other and start fighting for each other. One of the things I love about talking about these foundations, whether you're single, whether you're a kid in here and with your parents. I love talking about this because this is what a healthy marriage and a healthy family looks like. And whether we're single, whether we're a child, whatever, we need to know this is what it looks like. The third foundation we need to have in order to have a healthy marriage is maybe my favorite. Number three, write this down, and that is have fun. That we just need to learn how to have fun. Maybe some of us, we need to learn how to have fun again. Because I think early on in the relationship, maybe we didn't have to work that hard on having fun together. It just kind of happened naturally back when we were dating. But, but over time, the, the reality is life happens and fun can just get sucked out of the relationship. All of a sudden, we have to grow up and get jobs. Now we have schedules. We, we have kids. Those little guys. And all of a sudden, all these things take our time. They take our energy. And now the conversation stops about having fun together. And they start becoming more like, hey, can you take so-and-so to practice today? And hey, can you take out the trash while you're on the way? And why do I have to clean up again after you people? And how many pairs of clothes do you wear in a day? And we have this bill that we need to pay. And we have that bill we need to pay. And my car needs fixed. And my oil needs change and before we know it we turn from a married couple having fun in this life together to becoming co-workers or roommates just two ships passing in the night on our different doing this and I got to do that I got to take care of this and I got to respond here and I got to take them here and we just need to understand write this down and that is fun is foundational to a healthy relationship too many of us have stopped having fun together. Too many of us have stopped laughing together. Solomon said it like this, one of the wisest men to ever live in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9, enjoy, enjoy life with your wife. Enjoy life with your spouse whom you love. And so the question would be, what does this practically look like in our relationships? Well, I would say as life becomes more demanding and our responsibilities increase and life gets busy and schedules get crazy, we have to become more intentional. Everybody say intentional. 
we have to become more intentional about practicing three things. These are not in your notes. These are extra notes for all of these notes. So you're just getting a buffet of goodness today. But three things we need to be intentional about doing to have fun in our marriages and relationships. And that is one, number one, being intentional about having date nights. Having a date night. Now, I would say at least once a month, some would recommend once a week where we are getting away without the kids in Jesus' name, and we are just going to spend some time together. We're going to put the phones down. We're going to connect face-to-face. We're going to do something side-by-side, and then maybe later on, we're going to have some belly-button-to-belly-button fellowship in Jesus' name. I'm just saying, that needs to be a part of every single date night. Can I get an amen in this place? I feel like I just, I'm preaching. I'm preaching now. God's moved. God's just speaking to us. Every single day and night. That's why, that's why all the husbands are like, oh, I think we should do every week. I think I, a couple times a week, we, you know, once a month. I ain't doing once a month. We're doing two or three times a week. Come on. So first one is this date night. I think belly button to belly button should be on all three of these, just so you know. Date night. The second one would be date day. Every two to three months, we're just going to take a day, and we're going to go do something together. We're going to take the whole day without the kids, and we're just going to go do something together, right? A date day. Every, so every, at least every month, date night. Every two to three months, we'll have a date day where we just, you might have to take, take a day off of work. And someone's like, man, I need that money. Listen, I, my kids play sports. Uh, how many parents take off work for travel baseball and this event and that event? I'm saying it, you can take one day off every three months, whatever. Just make it happen. These are important. And then the third one would be a date trip. Date night, day, day, date trip. And I would say, I would say at least once a year, if not twice a year, you would take a date trip. Two to three days. We're just going to get away. And it can be as luxurious or as basic and simple as you can make it. It doesn't matter. It's, what matters is it's just you and your spouse together. You're investing in your relationship. And I'll just be honest with you, just to be really transparent, uh, to free some of you guys up when you try to implement this. Me and Justina, we're not that great at, at date nights. We, just, we struggle getting away. It seems like by the time we drive an hour to Toledo, eat, drive an, it was two hours in the car. It just seems like the whole night's gone. And so we've really struggled with the busyness. We do okay with date days, but we absolutely destroy date trips. <laughs> um, we, I mean, four or five, maybe six times a year, we're getting away for a couple of days. In fact, in fact, in November, we took two weeks together. Haven't done that in an entire marriage. Longest we've ever been away from our kids. We just took two weeks and I'm just telling you, it just reset our relationship. It was good for our souls just to reconnect. And sometimes we didn't even do anything. We just worked together. And I do want you to know, it was good for our kids too. It was good for our kids to see us get away together. They missed us. They were annoyed with us before. They couldn't wait for us. I thought you didn't love me anymore. Now you can't wait till I get home, right? It just re- it reset our relationship. So I want to encourage us, be intentional about these three things. Date night, date day, day trip. Let's invest in our marriages. Martin Luther said it like this. He said, let the wife make the husband glad to come home and let the husband make her sorry to see him leave. What a great quote. Live in such a way that there's so much fun that we just want to be around each other. We just want to laugh together. We just want to spend time together. You with me, church? 
All right, the fourth foundation to a healthy marriage is number four, stay pure. The greatest attack against our marriages is the attack of sexual impurity. The number one cause of divorce is adultery. Some people might say, oh, I thought it was money. No, the number one reason couples argue is money. The number one reason couples get a divorce is adultery. It's still the thing that takes more marriages down. It kills intimacy, it ruins your fun, and it destroys what God intended our marriages to be. The desire and the pursuit of purity is foundational to having a healthy marriage. For our marriages, not only to last, but to thrive and be strong and be healthy, we have to stay pure. So let me just talk real quick to the single people in the room. If you take a note, write this down. And that is, married things are reserved for married people. Shocking, I know. But in our world today, it needs to be said. The Bible says it this way, young people, single people. Don't awaken love before it's time. That we would start our purity before we get married. That, that we're going to live in such a way that we're going to honor and glorify God. Let me say it like this. The reason God doesn't want us to have sex before marriage is because when we get married, God doesn't want us to have sex outside of marriage. So God teaches us self-control before we get married so that we can have self-control after we're married. Are you with me? God always has a plan. There's always order to everything he does. And so we practice purity now. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 says it like this. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. And one of the, the ways that we pursued uh, purity in our marriage is by having healthy boundaries. Now, I know I mentioned boundaries earlier when we talked about fighting fair, but we also have boundaries to help us stay pure. In fact, if you take a note, write this down, and that is boundaries don't stifle a marriage. They safeguard the marriage. So let me just give you some of my safeguards that I have in my marriage with my smoking hot wife, Justina. The first one is I'm, I'm, never, I'm never alone in private with a person of the opposite sex. I just don't do it. I don't ride in a car alone. If I have to, have to, have to, have to have a meeting, then either I'm bringing somebody else into, into that meeting with me, so there's three of us, or we're meeting in a very public place, so there's just accountability. I don't text uh, anyone of the opposite sex. I, I, I don't have message. I just, that is a no-fly zone. I just don't do it. In fact, I, I would even tell the story that some of the uh, ladies we have on staff that even oversee children's, very rarely in like the, the 11 years as a church have I even texted them uh, anything or called them on the phone. And if I have, it's always been about church. But that's a rarity, maybe four times in the entire 11 years of the church. The most, the most times I talk to uh, another woman on the phone is usually when I'm trying to set up a babysitter so I can take her away on a date trip. Come on, somebody. There's a plan to it. I can't let her in on it, right? Another safeguard that we have is I have internet safeguards. I use a program called Covenant Eyes, and I have some, some mentors of mine that every single uh, month, they get a report of all the websites that I've gone to. Now, some of you might say, well, that's extreme. Yeah, well, I'm determined to live in purity, and I pay money for it. It's a subscription every single month, and some people say, you know what? I'm strong enough. I can handle it. No, you can't. 
They're spending billions of dollars to get you to fall morally. morally. And I'm just saying, we need safeguards in our lives. Uh, two more uh, that I have. I have uh, accountability partners. I have people speaking in my life, asking me the tough questions, which is why small groups are so important that we can have some people in our lives that we can just be real with. Here's what's going on. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm doing. Help me get free. And then finally, uh, one thing we do in our, our marriage is we have total phone transparency. Like my phone is an open book. Her phone is an open book to me. Uh, we just need someone to have 100% access to everything on our phone. My kids can look at it. There's nothing. To hide. There's not an email. There's not a website. There's nothing on my phone. There's nothing in my house. There's nothing in my life that my wife can't look at. Why? Because we are fighting to stay pure. All right, so we're going to seek God. We're going to fight fair. We're going to have fun. We're going to stay pure. And then the fifth and final foundation for having a healthy marriage is number five, is we're never going to give up. We're just never going to quit. We're never going to give up. No matter how difficult things get, we're not giving up. And, and I'll even say this publicly. I'm actually okay if Justina leaves me, I, I, I'm fine with that because I'm going with her. Come on. Because <laughs> I'm going with her. You can try and leave me, girl, but here I come. That's how committed I am to this thing. That's how committed I am to our marriage. You can try and leave me, but you can't get away from me. We're just, we're just never going to give up. I'm just never going to quit. I'm going to keep on fighting. I'm going to keep on believing. Now, I do just want to take a, a moment as we close today, just so we're, we are aware that there are two biblical grounds for divorce, and I would never advise anyone to stay in a marriage with these uh, two biblical grounds, even though I have seen God restore marriages when both of these things were involved, because how many of us know anything is possible with God? God can do anything. But the two biblical grounds for divorce are adultery and abuse. And I just would never advise anyone to stay in a relationship where they are unsafe. But outside of those two things, we need to fight for our marriages. And if those two things are present, but there is true repentance, man, I would highly recommend to, 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 get, uh, to see a professional, to see how God might be able to restore that marriage because he can. He can. But the truth is, church, our marriages are as good as we decide for them to be. And I've said this before, but any relationship that we want to stay in long term, we're going to have to extend grace and forgiveness to them. And they're going to have to extend grace and forgiveness to us. Because how many of us know we all mess up? We all make mistakes. We all sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But we're just not going to give up. That's why Ruth Bell Graham said this, said, a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. We've just learned to forgive well. We just, we just learned if we're going to stay in this thing, I'm going to have to forgive them and they're going to have to forgive me. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8, as we close today, says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for how your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That it guides the way, it shines bright on the path, that you show us how to live, that you show us how to do relationships, you show us how to have healthy families and healthy marriages. 
God, right now, as we just come before you, Lord, our, our prayer is speak, Lord, we're listening. How do you want us to respond to the message today? What, what's our next steps? God, we don't wanna just be hearers of your word. We wanna be doers as well. And as we're praying together, maybe as we talked about having that one found foundation of just seeking God, that God is first in our lives, that we have a relationship with him. If you're here today, or maybe you're watching online, if you would say, man, I don't have a relationship with God. God's not first in my life. You feel God is calling you to a life you, you maybe never thought possible, calling you deeper into a relationship with him, where you surrender all. Here's my life, God. Here's my heart, what you've always wanted. If you need to put God first in your life to have a relationship with him, would you lift your hand to heaven right where you're at? Maybe you're watching online in your living room, in your car. Would you lift your hand to heaven and say, here I am, God, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you, God. I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. I need you. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. God, thank you for loving me right where I'm at, but loving me enough not to let me stay there. Today, right now, here's my heart, which you've always wanted. God, forgive me my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. And then real quickly, I'm asking my wife to, to join me on stage. I would love to take a moment and just pray for couples, marriages in this place. And so if you're with your spouse sitting next to them, or if the kids are in the middle of you, get them out of the way. <laughs> Grab your spouse's hand. And if you're single in this place, can you, can you join? Can we join our hearts together and our faith together and pray for the families and the marriages represented in this place together? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for our spouse whom you have brought us together. And what you've brought together, let no one separate. God, I pray a blessing over every marriage in this place. God, I pray for those marriages that maybe there's some tension. Maybe there's some frustrations. Maybe there's been some things that have been said. God, I pray that even in this moment, we would lay our weapons down and that we would stop fighting against each other. We would start fighting for one another. Even in this moment, God, we would draw a line in the sand and say, God, you're first in our relationship. We're going to seek you together, that you're the foundation. God, we're going to fight fair. We're going to watch our words and what we say to each other. We're going to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. God, I pray for those couples that haven't laughed together in a while. God, I pray they would be intentional about having a, a date night, a date day, a date trip, and just getting away and doing, having fun together. God, I pray you would help us to be intentional about having fun together, that we'd laugh together and remember when it all started and get back to that place, God, before the busyness of life. God, I pray for purity in our marriages, total transparency, a heart of, of repentance, God. We want purity. We want to build trust. We want to honor you, God. We want to honor our spouse with what we do and how we live and how we think. So we're pursuing purity, God. God, I pray that you would just help us to, to make the commitment today. We're not going to give up. 
We're not going to quit. We're going to fight for our marriage. We're going to see you do what only you can do in our hearts. God, I pray we'd pray together, not just for each other. We'd pray together and that you would bless and that you would heal and that you would restore and that you would redeem and that you would help us to have a life and a marriage we never thought possible. God, I speak a blessing over every marriage in this place and beyond. We love you. We honor you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all.